Navigation ship. Navigation ship. Navigating the trials and tribulations of race, dating, travel, trauma, and healing as young conscious black women. Hey, it's Ashley. Hey, it's Stephanie. And today we're opening this episode with the question, when did you realize you was consciously black? Um, but before we go into that, let's check in. Um, how are you doing, Ashley? Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm perpetually tired and hot Mexico, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're always teasing me with this. <laughs> Very but nice. I think, I think it's also the CBD that I had this morning um, could be making me tired. Um, but yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I was up till late last night. Um, I wasn't at a club because it's not open. <laughs> but I was up till late working on my uh, <laughs> working on my uh, personal website. So quite excited for that. But other than that, it's spring here, so the sun and the weather is um, is very nice. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Nice. So should we go into our main question? So let's throw it to you, Ashley, this time. Let's have you go first. Uh-huh. So <laughs> when did that. you realize? <laughs> did you? <laughs> I don't remember. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, Ashley, when did you realize you were consciously black? Um, well, I think I've said this to you before. I don't think there was ever a time that I was like, oh, um, well, Let's start out one. I didn't realize there was ever a time that I was black. I think I always knew I was black. Um, I think I always had that awareness, mainly because my parents talked about it all the time. Like they had to work twice as hard in their jobs because they're black. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm black. I, I didn't experience anything negative. I've experienced microaggressions, but when you're a kid, you don't really know that's a microaggression you don't know that someone's treating you differently because you're black um at least my parents even if my parents said it or pointed out i'd be like no it couldn't be that it had to be like my fault or like i don't know but when i became conscious of being black and sort of doing more sort of social justice being more interested in social justice and diversity and um and knowing and being purposely very strong and proud about my blackness. I think I had to leave the United States to get that because in the United States, I, when I was growing up, I was constantly made fun of because um, of my accent. It was too white. Everybody, a lot of black, black people, like throughout high school, middle school and college, Um, Black people would constantly be like, oh, is your dad white? And like, put that on me. And I was just like, no, dad's not white. Um, And, and like, there was a lot of, I don't know, I don't know why I was the brunt of everybody's joke, but I could never be black enough. Um, And I'm not saying that white people didn't have their hand in the trauma that I experienced as a child. They did, but in a more microaggression way, like, oh, you're so pretty. Are you mixed race? You know, like, Mm. which is still problematic. But when you're a child, you're just like, you're just hearing the compliment. Um, Whereas I was severely harassed. uh, It kind of started in eighth grade by black 
girls who were constantly making fun of me, picking on me, um, bullying me. Um, and then when I got to college, it was sort of the same thing. Um, and I remember in school, um, I think I was in the African American studies class and I think like there's a difference where I grew up in Texas, obviously, because I experienced microaggressions. I didn't experience complete all out racism and Texas is a different kettle of fish, I think when it comes to that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really cower or feel like, oh, all white people are X, Y, Z. I didn't see it yet. I wasn't conscious yet. So I was just, I'm, I might've made a comment to the effect of like, we're not all oppressed, you know, like you can change your status by changing your mindset because that's what my parents taught me. Mm-hmm. And that like didn't go over well in class. And I just remember like, even like this girl being completely, I don't know what triggered her, but she was completely mean and rude and disregarded my comment. And like, I was just like, something's wrong with these Texas blacks. <laughs> I was just like, they're just so vicious. It's just, it's ridiculous. And then the same stuff started happening of, oh, you're too white, you're too this. Like, uh, where did you even grow up? And like, it was always like something was wrong with me. So I didn't really get conscious till I left the country and went to London and met black people who just accepted me for being mean, whatever that was. Um, and being around other black people who just were themselves and, you know, did whatever they wanted to do. So I think that's when I started to recognize, you know, there is a difference. Um, and then started doing my own study, even though I did a lot of study in, in college about African-American history and stuff like that. So I was very abreast of that knowledge, but like actually understanding what it means to be black, that, I can be black and I don't have to fit into this black box, whatever that is. Um, but also having a lot of pride for my race, to be honest, didn't learn that till London. So like till I was 21 wow, that's years. That's pretty old. interesting. Yeah. So I don't know, like when when did you feel like you were consciously black? Well, um, for me there's some there's some similarities between what you say and uh, my own experience um not the experience that you had during school though what i mean um during your childhood but for me it took me as well traveling going to a different location um to be conscious of my position in society as a black woman um because I feel when you're at home or when you're in your home environment or environment that you're used to you're in your comfort zone and um you just as you say as a child you don't really understand microaggressions yet or um you know you're not really aware of all these things you just you know you're growing up in this world and you're just taking it for what it is um until somebody tells you otherwise um so yeah I when I went traveling it was when I was I began to have these experiences these encounters um through my travels obviously you have the normal ones I think you've already experienced yourself when yeah. you're novelty and people think you're a celebrity yeah. you know they want to take your picture yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm talking about travels I I've traveled a lot uh, around Europe but I went traveling mainly um during my early mid-20s um 
and I went from you know Europe, London uh, to North America, um, went went across America, and then I went off to Brazil, parts of Brazil, um, parts of Argentina, then went towards South Africa, spent some time in South Africa, then went across uh, Southeast Asia from Thailand uh, down to. Uh, Vietnam, uh, Bali, Guinea Islands, uh, Sing- Singapore, then Australia, spent some time there, went to New Zealand. So it was, you know, quite a substantial <laughs> amount of yeah. different places. Um, but my movement of my body through those places, um, I began having these experiences beyond the the taking your picture and, you know, people yeah. not seeing you or being aware of you or curious about your hair and, you know, just thinking you are more of a um a attraction than the actual attraction that's there yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so I had a lot of those but beyond those I began realizing that people uh you know started were well didn't start they were they were categorizing me and placing me um you know mainly as an exotic object um someone of lower status um just basically disregarded me as a human being and I didn't really I was quite naive at the time when I started my travels I didn't really understand what was going on I wasn't I was just like oh that's weird or I don't know why that person's talking to me like this or I don't really understand why that's happening um but then you know when something happens again and again and again and you realize that it's happening to you and you're thinking what's the difference about me in comparison to this person <laughs> um you begin to realize what well, I realized oh it's because of my race and also my gender as well um and it was very it was a very you know it was a very hurtful experience to to go through that um you know slowly but surely um but also it was in a sense, a liberating experience, definitely liberating in terms of being able to see things clearly. Um, and it's still, not, things didn't fully make sense to me because as I was moving to different places, you realise the impact of the history of places, you know. So in South Africa, specifically, where colour, the colour of your skin matters so much, you know, in terms of your social interactions in a very heavy way, Um in comparison to some other countries where it's a bit more um, implicit, you realise how the history impacts on, you know, how people practice, you know, social practices and how they treat you. So, yeah, for me, travel was a very strong um, point of raising consciousness. But think about it, I was in my early, mid-twenties, you know, at this point. I was pretty far in my life. I should have known, you know, a bit more about who I was as a person. Um, You know, I've also heard the saying that you said, working twice as hard you know, to get, you know, half as what as a white person has. I've heard that saying, told, that saying was told to me. I knew that as a young child, that I needed to work hard if I wanted to get anywhere in life. Um, and that I needed to do good in my education and all these kind of things, you know. So I had that consciousness, I guess, as a young child that I am black and I need to work hard. But not in a sense that, not really fully understanding about how things are now, you know. You look at, you know, a lot of well-known black people in history and they're in history, you know, this yeah. is a struggle that somebody's experienced back then. This is what, this is what we went through back then. And, um, now you just got to do X, Y, Z, you know? Um, but yeah, there's more to that, but I really would like to ask you the question of what is it like, what does consciousness mean, mean to you, Ashley? 
I don't know if I don't know if that's a hard question or, not, or, or I can tell you what it means to me. Um, but I yeah I'm I'm I wonder what it means to you uh, to be conscious. I guess conscious in the terms of being black is just to have an awareness of your blackness. To me, like have an awareness of your culture, have an awareness, and a, and a, for me, it also means having an appreciation of that because I think like I was always aware of being black in the sense of working harder. Um, I never thought it was like something that would stop me from doing whatever I wanted to do, but I knew it had, it came with baggage, if you will, for yeah. lack of a better word. Um, but also having an appreciation for being black, also having awareness for how life is different being black. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't really speak about that when I was speaking about my experience too but like you like it's the same when I went traveling I think I don't know if something clicked for me I think through dating um (laughs) dating was the worst (laughs) I think that's what I realized because I didn't actually have an awareness um and I know this is not the question but just within the question I was more conscious that like someone treated me differently because I was black when it came to Australia when I was oh yeah um when I was dating someone and we had such a deep connection and everything would seem to be going well and then all of a sudden it wasn't and it was like it wasn't all of a sudden thing it kind of like came in droves it was like a back and forth roller coaster ride of this person's emotions and I felt like a lot of it had to do more to do with like I didn't come from his private school even though rolls eyes but like I didn't come from (laughs) Sydney, I was American, and I think in his mind he had an um, idea of what mm-hmm. Black Americans are. And this was the first time he was truly dating one instead of just sleeping with one. And there's a lot of things that I think he was like, wow, you know, she's completely different than what I expected. And seeing him go through that roller coaster ride of his own making, of trying to fight something that was pretty good you know a good connection I think it told told me that like something's wrong here and it's not just me anymore it's not I didn't do this I'm like the only reason we're having these problems is because he sees me as different and I think that's when the light bulb clicked that like oh people actually like don't want to see your humanity they just want to have some sort of experience. And I think that was really, it's a really horrible thing to experience, but I think that's when I became completely conscious, not just having awareness that I'm black, having appreciation that I'm black, but then that third level of, oh, people actually, the world is different as a black person. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know. No, it does. Like, um, because for me, um, going through that process, like, as you said, well, Australia definitely was a fast track lane into yeah. <laughs> Like, if it, if it didn't hit me during my other travels, then everything made clear sense in Australia. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, also, I'm also grateful for my time in Australia because yeah. as much as it was a struggle and it was really hard and uh, many, many times very horrific and horrible, um, there was many, you know, great, like, it, was, it is a visually beautiful place um the the bluntness of the australians i really appreciated it 
because they told you not not all the time but I mean quite a lot of my interactions with uh, males and women there actually they tell you um well women play a lot of mind games there but I mean, <laughs> For men, anyway, <laughs> they tell you what they're thinking. Um, and you've spent time in London, Ashley, and Londoners, British people, do not tell you what they are thinking. So, <laughs> so my time in Australia was, uh, I remember my first day, I think I told you this, my very first day in Australia, and I was getting these mixed signals from this guy, like things were good. And then it was coming towards the end of the day and some like, you know, cultural cues that you understand from dating in the UK is different everywhere. So you're kind of like not really clear about what's going on. So I asked him, oh, do you like me? And he goes to me, but you're not blonde haired and, and blue eyed. <laughs> Which was like, what are you, yeah. are you having a laugh? Like, obviously not a laugh, but I mean, I was just like completely shocked and taken away by this. Um, but to this day, me, me and this guy are friends now. Like we've had clear conversations about these things and about what he said and and his process of go. As you said, he took me on a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. of you know of him liking someone uh, who he shouldn't of in his mind, you know, have liked uh, because yeah. he has this idea of who the princess is and it's like a white as you said a white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes you know mm. um and that's his idea of this fairy tale girl that he should like and I was the opposite of that but yet he liked me and was drawn towards me and wanted to be with me and enjoyed my company but constantly had this kind of back thing of like who he's supposed to be with yeah. um and the reason why I sound grateful for that is because a lot of my experiences in Australia with this guy or which, whichever, whoever decides to try and, you know, place me within a box, uh, <laughs> um, helped me make sense of all the microaggressions and things that I experienced mm. as a child. You know, I think we said this before, I spoke to you before about like how I was only Pocahontas when it was dressing up time because that was okay. the only woman of colour that I could be and my outfit got smaller and smaller each year <laughs> yeah. the only one that I wanted to be because that's who I who I could see myself as you know um and then like in the school play I could only be they made a character for me um there wasn't there was no black character so I was Diana Ross an Adelon character in the in the school play you know um, but also we we've touched upon you know, white people placing us in categories, but you've also touched upon your own story of being placed within a category by black people um, and not being black enough or, you know, being white. Mm. And that is uh, very problematic. I don't know if that gets spoken about enough, but do you want to share anything more about that in comparison? Um, I think, like, it was, I mean, it's traumatizing. I think I've gotten over it in the sense that, like, I think I never really aligned to the uh, American culture because I think America is still very segregated. Like, even in New York, to a certain extent, there's still neighborhoods where, you know, only black people hang out with black people, only white people hang out with white people. And, like, I've, I was just looking at a, I don't want to say who the celebrity was, but... I was looking at a celebrity's wedding photo and there there was nothing but all white people in the wedding photo. And I was just like, and she grew up in California and I'm just like, I mean, she grew up in a very well-off neighborhood in California, but still I'm just like, 
you've moved to LA. There's no black people, Hispanic people that you've ever like thought to get close to, to invite mm-hmm. to your wedding. And even when I went to um, school in Virginia, like it was like all the white kids that I went to school with, like their whole wedding is full of white people. And for me, that's just very strange. I, there's a lot of black people who do the same thing here where they're all black and no one is of any, like there's no, no one else there. And I, I've never aligned to that. You know, all my friends have always been diverse. So I think like it's it's sad that like we're still here in in America. I think it's getting a little bit better. Uh, I don't want to say everywhere because there's 320 million in 50 states. You know, not everybody's the same. Whereas in parts of Europe, Europe is much smaller. But I do feel like the consciousness or what is considered conscious in the states sometimes is like. Oh, like being, you know, surrounded around black people and only dating within your race. And like, there's elements of that. And I don't think that's consciousness. I think consciousness is understanding your blackness. And I just heard a podcaster the other day who was saying how, um, you know, I'm skeptical of black people who only hang out with or who have mostly white friends, you know, like, why are you skeptical of that? You know, where did that person grow up? You know, where did they grow up in a white mm. neighborhood? You know, and that's a considered conscious. You know, oh, yeah. you have white friends, something you you must be aligning to whiteness. And that's not always the case. It just happens to be that's where you grew up. That's who, you know, made you feel comfortable at the time. So, yeah, I think like. I don't know. I don't know if this is the case in Britain. And I would like to hear your thoughts on that. But. I do feel like in American society, sometimes that consciousness of blackness means you hang out with only black people and you don't, you know, hang out with the rest of the world because the rest of the world, or by the rest of the world, I mean like whites, Asians, Hispanics, because, you know, and I think a lot of black people do hang out with other people of color, but (laughs) they don't, oh, like you can't hang out with white people because all white people are one way. And they're not, I mean, like they're not. Um, and that's what I said in class too. And it got me in a lot of trouble. Like they're not, it's like, I know there's, there are, you know, conscious white people. They're getting few and far between in the sense of who recognize our humanity in such a way that's just, you know, like they don't see themselves as above anything, but they're there, you know, and we should honor that too. So I don't know. I don't, I went on a bit of a tangent, but I just want to hear your 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 experience with like the all black thing. Well, I think it's really interesting point because I don't think I think there's this you know obviously you had President Obama where people were like to him oh you know he's he's too black or he's too white or you know people are like an argument over how black he is or white he is, um, which then comes back um, to you know what does it mean to be black because it's very much socially determined on like how people externally identified you uh, or other people as this person's black this person's not black or you know in in law you know in the in america you know the one drop rule but also in the uk becoming a political term to join with black power and mobilizing around race and common colonial history so there's all this kind of like draw on like who you know 
black and, and white, but literally no one's a colour black. Yeah, you're just exactly. all different many no one's white so when we start using these words like that person's white that person's black we were attaching certain things to it statuses ideas of what it means to be black to those things and then it gets a bit more heavy and deep like oh what does somebody mean and what are they placing me and that also places us within the box you know um i'm gonna on a tangent quickly now but i'll go back but i mean we have the same thing when it's like People assume a lot of things when they're like, oh, you're a black woman, you must have a big booty, you know, or you must do certain things and go back to certain hair, you know, how your hair should be, how, you know, how your features should be. But uh, growing up, I I was a minority, is what they call here now, you know, a minority in, in the UK because we're not in the in the world. But um, in where I went to school, there was only, would only be a few or a handful of black people, people of colour in my class. So... It's interesting in as a child how you interact and who you're drawn with because I was never really in a sense consciously trying to be friends with the other black person in in my class or in my school but without realizing that you would end up or I would end up um still being friends with that person but also friends with other people and yeah. having you know so as a child I was just socializing with everyone who who was nice really <laughs> and having a good time but in my close circle group I guess it was just you know mixed a mixed group of people um so I didn't really have this kind of thing that you know you're not black enough but as we as we just discussed I did have this kind of place in like when it was Spice Girls I had to be Scary Spice because I was the black girl in in the friendship group but they didn't mean anything by it, of course. These children are just like, oh, yeah, well, you you look more like her. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, kind of like sort of thing. Um, then when it got to high school, it was interesting. Um, again, I was a minority. But then it worked in my favour because there was this assumption that black girls were hard. So there was this, uh, I don't know, some sort of, yeah, there was this kind of social survey, like informal survey. Like, I mean, a discussion in in the playground during um during high school so high school is about you know you're between the ages of 11 and 18 so maybe I was around 15 or something and they're like oh who's the hardest girl in in the year and they picked out me and my friend and it was just two black girls okay so they decided that we were the hardest girls neither, neither of us have gotten into any fights done anything but nobody would dare mess with us because we're okay. black so there's this, there was this idea that black people are really tough and hard. So no one would like dare start a fight with us. I remember one of my friends uh, who was white got in, some girl was picking on her. I couldn't believe it. So I was like, so, so I went up to the girl, I was like, leave my friend alone. And the girl was so scared. I was like, all I said was, oh all I said was leave her alone. Yeah. I never fought anybody before. So I was like, <laughs> there was this kind of, you know, you see it looking back now, you know, it's really funny, but you see that people attach certain ideas to, uh, you know, to your external ident- identification. For me, it was my friends were always, were always quite from different backgrounds, quite diverse. Um, I just made connections based on who I liked. But I know other black people mm. who are in the UK are very consciously having black friends and associating themselves mainly with black people um so there is you know everyone's each to their each to their own um mm. but I don't think it's as heavy well I know it's not as heavy as America from my time there I know it's not as heavy as it is in America um but there are spaces of, indeed in London that are more black spaces so to say than other places 
Um, but from my experience, it's not as informally segregated as, as I found America to be um, <laughs> yeah. based on based on your race. Um, in terms of consciousness, I think also raising consciousness also connects you to the collective um, you know, into the collective struggle. Um, for me, definitely, my, my I think I began questioning things through my travel, but more specifically, my consciousness began to be even more raised when I began speaking to other Black women, and uh, whether that's through books or films or conversations like I do with you, Ashley, just speaking and sharing um, our personal problems or interactions or things and realising, oh my gosh, what I'm going through is not a singular problem. Actually, other people going through who are like me going through the same thing. And then you begin to kind of realise that your problems are not just personal, they're also political and connected to a broader, bigger societal problem and I think that like, where your consciousness is so raised that it's beyond just yourself it's actually beyond the it moves to the collective I'd say yeah yeah I agree with that I think like when I started talking to other black people or particularly the other black women because I think black men have a very I guess the ones that I've talked to have a different perspective on things like well added being a woman and moving through that space. Um, so there's some things that we could talk about and there's some things that just, just didn't really affect them. So it's not that they didn't really relate, but they just didn't, it didn't affect them. So it, it wouldn't be the same. Um, but definitely when I talked to other black women, it did raise my awareness like, oh, I'm not the only one going through this. Like when I came back to London and I was talking to you about the white middle class men and I was just like is it me but like why do they all act like really awkward and like they never seem to get too close it's like they mm. want to get close but it's like not too close and they're all desiring a particular type of woman but they yeah. never say exactly what they want and then <laughs> and then I think you said, oh, I didn't want to tell you about this. Because, like, yeah. when I originally came here, I left out, I guess, in the dating pool. And I dated, you know, a lot of people for about five months. And then I met my ex. And we dated for quite some time. So I thought dating was super easy here. I was just, you know, <laughs> bang, you know, <laughs> they just come. But I think it was just, like, everything. It was the right time with the right person and he was of a working class background and so I was just like well you know I don't really think it's I don't think anybody cares about like white versus black or mixed race or whatever but then we have the conversation how class does play into yeah. dating and especially how race does as well and I and like I wouldn't have known that, you know, I would be sitting here by myself being like, is something wrong? You know, <laughs> like, and then when we talk about stuff, it illuminates a lot of things. When I talk to other black people, it illuminates a lot of things like my friends in France where I'm like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Like racism occurs here. Why is everyone acting like it doesn't? And then when I talk to my black friends in France, it's like, yeah, it does occur, but we just don't label it as racist or whatever. So I think it just, I think it does bring out a lot of interesting, it brings a level of awareness 
I think, um, that you wouldn't have before um, unless you talk to somebody. Because otherwise, and I think that's another insidious part about white supremacy and, and uh, the society that we live in, is because it's so insidious. Because it's like, if you talk to other people about this, as you've experienced, people are like, oh, but it's probably because of this, or it's probably because of this. And then when you talk to other Black people, it's like, no, it's because you're Black. You know, like, it's very <laughs> straightforward. So. Yes, yes, that is so true. <laughs> but you're debating things over in your head. Oh, did this happen because of this? Did it happen because of this? And then you yeah. tell your dear friends who's, you know, or your, you know, one of your close Black friends or whatever, they're like, what's well, because you're Black? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very clearly. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that is, that is right. Because it takes this, like this, um, I remember that top, that conversation I had with you when you're telling me about your experiences with the middle-class men here. And I was like, oh no, I didn't want to say anything because I thought to myself, you know, well, that's my experience. Um, hopefully Ashley won't have to endure the same ridiculousness that I have had, that I've endured. And maybe it's just me. That's what I thought. Maybe it's just me. So let's just leave it there. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then you told me and I was like, uh yeah um (laughs) about that (laughs) but you know this is also why we are doing what we're doing you know at the moment even speaking in this in this podcast you know in this episode because this whole process of actually talking through and sharing our encounters our experiences and our understandings is this process of conscious raising you know uh, for ourselves and for other black black women and just people in general are just understanding like the positions in society and how they're socially structured and what we come to understand. Like even black, blackness, you know, like how so much it's connected to social, political and economic, you know, statuses and understandings. Like, you know, you have the blacklist and uh, all different, all, all different terms that use the color black and what black is associated with, you know, evil, darkness, bad. Um, you know, all these terms um, that we just accept and we are socialized in society to believe. And it also counters this internalized um, oppression, I feel like, how we internalize and view ourselves. Like, is there something wrong with me? Does this happen because there's something wrong with me? Um, and it kind of, it definitely breaks it. it well, something like I'm very passionate about <laughs> this, this conscious race and stuff because I feel like before my life was in, you know, a monotone. You know, you're going through life and things, you experience things, you may be bumping into stuff, you know, you're walking into glass walls because you don't know it's glass there, bang your head all the time. And then it's like, whoa, I can see everything clearly now. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like that, particularly within dating, like now it's like there's certain boundaries and standards and things that I've put in place because I am conscious and awake. And it's, Mm -hmm. it is a, I think it is a bit of a process unless you grew up with some massive experience that proved that you were black and then you became conscious off of that. But I think given the nineties and I think you've said this before, you had Tony, Tony Blair coming up with that (laughs) multiculturalism and we had a similar situation. You know, if you get, if you made it and got the American dream, um, you're good. You don't have to worry about being black anymore at least that's kind of what my parents not necessarily said because they didn't say that they were like they were very much like you have to worry about being black but like they were just very like (laughs) just focus on getting the money 
And when I did and I, you know, got, you know, worked in a corporate bank and went to law school and did all the achievements that I was supposed to do in life, you know, I still didn't feel accepted. And I think that's another added layer of the economics. I think it's called like the economics of being black, like how even when you get to a certain status, it's not enough. You know, you are. And I think that's when. I became even more conscious because I was like, I reached all these goals. I, you know, I was on the honor roll. I did all these things that I was supposed to do. I went to a really great college. Why isn't it enough? You know, um, and that's when I started realizing it has nothing to do with all the achievements that I could have done. There's still one very strong, obvious thing that people are always going to judge me on, or hopefully not always, but seeing what's happening right now with, you know, what's happening all over the world, um, probably in our lifetimes, going to judge us on, and we can achieve so much, we can price ourselves out of, you know, what it means, you know, these, these stereotypes of blackness, but, but they're still there. People are still going to have these views, if you will. And I think that's when I was like, wait a minute, like that, there's something like what can I like I'm a control freak by nature because I'm <laughs> but like I'm just like I'm trying to control everything I'm trying to control you know like to do the best that I can and look the best that I can but what is it that's not allowing me to and then obviously I'm I'm still black at the end of the day but I I guess like my next question is like as a conscious being conscious now mm. what do you feel like that means as in you moving forward with your life and what do you want that to do you want that to change do you want that to shift or are you happy with your consciousness at the moment well uh, for me I think it's definitely a journey it's been a journey um to get to to get to the point that I'm at right now um before I touched on it how travel uh, made me have all these questions um began to make things a bit more clearer but I literally I think I got to the same point that you was at you know I uh, you know had a good uh, career um a good role good money a good place to stay good or a good visually good environment <laughs> um and I decided to leave all of that because I needed to figure things out uh, about you know this this position that I've been placed in you know just by being black and just by being a woman and the insect and I took about uh, it was about two years out to do social and political study to understand and make sense of the, his- the historical background the political background um you know the socialize the socialization of society of western society and to figure out how to articulate what it was that I've been experiencing because I didn't know how to articulate it I didn't I didn't know how to speak to what it was that I was going through or been going through and that process I think of articulation articulation becoming politically illiterate raised my consciousness uh so far high not like higher than anybody else but I mean in a, for, for myself I'm talking about my, my personal journey of where I was before to where I am now things really began to click and make sense you know even to the point where I'm studying stuff I, I am not in those books what I mean by I'm in the books I mean the books are from a very white male uh, sort of privileged background and they speak 
like it says, definitely in political philosophy, political theory, they speak uh, to a space that doesn't even consider the woman or doesn't consider the black person because the woman is inferior and the black person doesn't doesn't exist. They're not even a human yeah. being. Yeah. So you begin to understand how societies, Western societies, have structured and shaped things to the benefit of a certain group of people in society, and that that has ramifications, you know, beyond beyond the time in which they were set out. So, for me, all of that. Um, what was your question? <laughs> I'm just rambling on. No, I think it. Yeah, I think it makes sense, but I guess what is being conscious going forward what does that oh, mean to so so for me it's this ongoing journey of being connected understanding and and ensuring that i just if i don't understand something dig deeper i'm very much interested in going deeper into things understanding the historical makeup of things understanding the thought process behind concepts like i would love to ask you which i'm hopefully going to ask you if i've got time what does black mean to you because these things concepts to me are stuff is the way in which we move within the world and how we make sense of ourselves within the world in which we exist in. So for me, in my personal journey of raising my consciousness is about digging deeper, understanding things, uh, the world in which I exist in from different angles and continue being in conversation with other women, um, other black women, because it's helpful to me on a personal level. It's normally helpful to them. And it definitely just makes things a bit more crystal clear you know and it helps me have a sharp focus on what what is it that I want where is it that I'm going what is it that I want to get from life um yes this is going to be a struggle yes that's going to be a struggle but at the end of the day am I going to let it deter me or am I going to let it be my struggle that I'm going through because I'm consciously going towards that that goal for myself so yeah, for me, it's the um, ongoing thing to surround myself with with people that I can have these conversations with openly, honestly, to ensure that I have that time to dive into those those books, those those literature, to question the questions that haven't been questioned before. Yeah. Um, particularly in academia, there's questions, and I'm like, well, why haven't you asked, uh, asked this question before? <laughs> like, yeah, are you kidding me? Like, you know. And they have this idea of what is freedom, you know, but it's freedom very much from somebody who's already free, you know, in yeah. a sense. Yeah. So they haven't really began to un unravel the other aspect of what freedom could be or should be or, or how can we articulate justice for, you know, for, you know, so all these things to me is, is this process, ongoing process and commitment to ensuring that I, that I continue on this journey of understanding myself, understanding the world in which I live in and seeing things from different viewpoints i think that's really important understanding different viewpoints not just the black struggle but you know other people struggle in in this world but how how well firstly i want to, I want to ask you what does being black mean to you <laughs> uh i'm curious i mean it means so many things i think being black um speaks to me on a like just on my body how it moves how it operates in this world I mean like being black is about for me like I love to move my body that's so important to me I move every single day either dancing or yoga but how I do that is very intuitive and it's very connected to being a black woman I think um being black to me it just means having some conscious awareness of 
the world, it's living in a completely different reality to the rest of the world, to be honest. Um, it's being empathetic, compassionate. Not every black person I'm not saying is, has these, these beliefs, you know, like are empathetic people, but I do feel like because particularly black and woman is intersected all the time. So I don't really see my status as a woman is different from my status as being black. I think I'm more black than a woman, if that makes sense. But like, I do think being a black woman means being, you know, some like caring and empathetic and loving and how we love is so different. It's so, you know, fierce. It's so, yeah. it's so strong. It's so loyal, you know, like, if you have a black friend, a black woman friend, you will know you will be taken care of, you know, yeah. and in a way that's like a little bit different than I think I've seen from other friendships. You know, yeah. I feel held, I feel supported, I feel secure um, with other black women. And I do feel like being a black, being black, I guess, in general, what it means is just it's it's sometimes like I think kind of difficult because I think so many people put so many different rules and regulations on what it means to be black but I think there's freedom in what it means to be black I think we are a representation of freedom because we've had such a hard struggle we had 600 yeah. years of slavery and oppression and the, it continues <laughs> it's not letting up and even though the world tries to put, the Western world particularly tries to put our, their foot or their knee on our necks all the time, um, I think we still rise at the end of the day. So it's, we're, we're a luminous, you know, we're a luminous group of people that we're resilient, um, just a fierce, beautiful, powerful group of people. And that's what it means for me. What it means, what does it mean for you? Um, I think that is absolutely, um, really beautiful, the way in which you described that. I mean, the wholeness of it, um, the different dimensions of being black, like the struggle and the strength, the empathy. I think that's really big for me. I'm, I'm, I'm still answering that question for myself, which is why I'm asking you the question. <laughs> what does it mean to be black? I'm still on this journey myself of understanding what, what does it mean to be, to be black? Because um somebody who you know I I think a lot on things that's 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 what I do um I think about the different dimensions of things um it's like if somebody asks me oh what does it mean to have a father who who was born in Barbados what does it mean to you and then what does it mean for your skin tone to be to be uh, a brown tone or what does it mean you know for your hair to be different or more different than what's considered normal um all these things are all different dimensions but when it comes to someone goes what does it mean to be black well so i'm still going through that understanding of myself mm -hmm. of what is what does it mean to me to 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 be black um and to really understand it not just for on the position of struggle um because often blackness is associated in a negative sense and we've been socialized into it in a negative sense and then you have a very cultural blackness um, which is like, oh, well, because you're black, you you should like hip hop music. Which yeah. I that's when I was growing up, 
and it's like oh because you're black you should be this and, and you should be that and so I, I think I, yeah I did have a bit of that I guess as I was younger like I should like this I should like that and I'm not really a massive fan of hip-hop sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, my bum is not you know the like you know as big as some people would expect it to be it's not tiny but you know um but I'm still for myself on this journey of what does it mean to be black um, and trying to get rid of not just completely discard but for myself get rid of the external identification of, of blackness and um fully come to a point where what does it mean for myself so maybe in the next episode or something I can come back to that for you <laughs> um but for me I really want to really want to delve into these things um on this uh this journey of understanding who I am and understanding the labels that have been placed on me and also one wanting to articulate and self-define myself um and being quite quite critical with myself of, of how I do that because we've been labeled um a lot in society and not necessarily in the most <laughs> most illuminating raising uplifting ways um so yeah and how about you I think you that, uh, I think that's the reason why and I just watched um them on Amazon it's a uh, it's very triggering um it's about a, a 1950s black family that moves into uh, West Compton I think mm -hmm. West Compton or East Compton but um, and then chaos ensues. And it's supposed to be a scary show. And it is scary for a number of reasons, mainly because of the racism that ensues. But, like, it's just, I think when I look at that show and I see, and even though this show is horrific, but it's not unique, you know, like the horrific stuff, horrific racism experienced by this family. Okay, it's sensationalized and, you know, kind of, like, brought up to be more because it is a show and it's fictitious, but it things like this still occurred. Um, and I think in that show I'm seeing, like if we went through this and the, the, the things that we had to go through um, to just get ahead, and now we're at this point where we're still not there yet to be considered mm. completely human. But it made me recognize even more that just what, Black is like, I don't want to get into like, black is beautiful. Of course, that is not even like an interesting thing to say anymore in 2021 because of course it is. But it's like black people are the most, I think one of the most resilient people on this planet. Yeah. With the level of um, stuff that we had to go through. And I'm really recognizing the resilience, even though sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not resilient. I can't deal with this. I have first world problems, of course, because where I grew up in economics has a lot to do with it. Like your problems become first world when you have a level of affluence, but like, it's still like what we have to go through each and every day just to be alive, you know, mm. it's just mm. overwhelming. And I just yeah. think, I think that is the most beautiful thing about our race is the level of, over like not only that we've overcome um 
but we do it in such a way that's so with the rhythm and with with an attitude and with a mm-hmm. with a movement and a style that's just it's unbeatable and i just i i just love that i love being black you know like i i think one thing about being consciously black is like going through the journey of that consciousness and mm-hmm. loving loving oneself through that because there was a time where I didn't love myself and it had nothing to do with being black but I did think there might be something wrong that constantly all these things keep happening to me and I'm trying and so it does like you like you said you mentioned this is like you you turn to yourself you turn inward um and think oh it's me it's got to be me something's wrong with me but now I'm like Mm -hmm. nah something's wrong with the rest of the world because I think they can (laughs) see the power they can see the glory and they don't they might be a bit afraid of it afraid of where that glory can take or go to i don't know but i just i think being black is i'm i mean i'm glad my soul got brought into this black body so like you know um yeah like yeah that is so powerful to hear and I resonate with that like so strongly especially as we go back to the the point about like internalizing like is there something wrong with me and realizing there's not something wrong with you you know um and it's it's also people often say black people have soul yeah (laughs) when somebody singing with soul or they're moving with soul it's because they've gone through something and they're still they're still rising above it you know and they're still they're continuing on going going towards what it is that they that they want or going going towards and forward with life you know um so on that note I guess we need to round up was it like (laughs) gosh I realized it's Time now, oh my gosh, we've gone so deep into this now. But um, is there any other questions or any thoughts to share before we uh, wrap up? Well, I just wanted to know because um, I asked this earlier, but I we went on another direction. But I guess how does how do you think or do you think your consciousness will shift at any point, or do you feel like you're like, oh, I'm good, you know, I know everything I need to know. <laughs> um well someone told me recently that I'm an an eternal student or something like that (laughs) um you know like I well naturally I to myself I'm a very curious person um I'm not one who follows the crowd or follows um like like a sheep or something like that that is not me so I often ask questions that haven't been answered before asked before or um, wonder why we do things that are routine to ourselves so on that on that point this consciousness um is something that I want to keep growing and I I want to uh, develop and I feel specifically with the project that I have coming up um with my doctoral research that's coming up I feel that's going to be so enlightening for myself (laughs) But I mean, for the women who who join me in this process of speaking about their experiences in post-colonial white spaces and being able to de-isolate those experiences, I think it's going to be really powerful. Um, connecting those stories, uh, making those connections and locating them within their polit- political, social uh, grounding. I think that is going to be a really conscious raising uh, time for myself and for anybody who gets involved I think Uh, and how about you yeah I mean I feel like 
I don't, I, I don't know if it will ever change. I think I'm at a point um, where I'm pretty understanding of, you know, being black, who I am, all of these things. I think that it, the only thing will change is, you know, maybe how I um, react because I still get very defensive or very, um, maybe defensive isn't the right word, but I still get very, like, why is this happening? You know, this constant, like, why, why, why? Even, like, I get very triggered by the whole experience um, of being Black sometimes. And by that, I mean, like, the racism that ensues. And I, I don't know if that ever will go away or ever should go away. We mm. should always be sort of triggered by what's happening right now and always be, you know, angered by it. I mean, my mom always says that I'm very impassioned and I raise my voice and like <laughs> she stops listening or whatever. Um, but I'm never going to stop, you know, I'm never going to be that like, Oh, you know, this is wrong. I'm going to be angry. You know, I'm going to raise my voice and, you know, shout it from the rooftops that, you know, we're all equal. We're all human beings. We should all be treated as such. Um, Black people obviously have a different culture, you know, to white Europeans, to to Asians, whatever. But all those cultures can co coexist. So yeah. I think for me, like, I don't think I'll ever change in the sense of my consciousness will grow or something. I think I'll, you know, the more you learn in any way is, is better. And I will continue reading and studying on social justice black blackness black culture um but i'm still gonna be the same impassioned woman yelling about <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever nonsense is happening in the world and hopefully at one point maybe if i before i die hopefully you know i don't have to yell anymore we all just live in harmony and stop trying mm -hmm. to be a monolith race or, you know, align to whiteness and we can just be different people and accept each other. But I doubt I'll live to see that day. But I, <laughs> it was very, it was very hopeful that it went, oh, I doubt. <laughs> yeah, it was very hopeful. With all the shit that's happening in America right but now. But it was I mean, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I think, I think the why though, you mentioned the point, I think the why, because I get those whys as well, you know, because why is this happening it's, it, it's it's a complete injustice that's why we have those whys and I think the whys they're not going to go away I, I think it's definitely how we channel those whys like what we channel it into and and how we how we continue continue on but we can't always continue on and I think um something that we're going to discuss <laughs> in another episode uh the I am one that will come up but I mean about continuing on and pressing on but that's all that we have time for today yeah. um we also wanted to mention that we had thank you so much for everybody's feedback um from since opening the podcast uh, we received a lot of positive feedback um also some points about what resonated um from you know being their childhood from family members white and black people you know it was been really nice to have that support from everybody and we would love for it to continue coming in, you know, give us, send us all your praises, but I mean, <laughs> so 
give us your feedback let us know what it is that you want to discuss because what it is that you share with us really helps shape uh this uh podcast as it continues on um it's a you know it's a two-way conversation between me and ashley but it's a conversation between you and us and we want that um, it can continue to flow yeah so thank you <laughs> yeah thank you so much um for all your positive and constructive feedback um we really appreciate it because yeah like stephanie said it does shape how we you know do the podcast and we do take it into account so thank you so on that note shall we check out um how do you feel today's one episode went Ashley yeah I think it went well I think um I think uh it was a really good conversation obviously it went on much longer than we probably planned but like it was <laughs> it needed to happen like I feel like um it was such a good conversation to have so I'm really glad that we had it what about you I'm really excited for this episode <laughs> there's so many things I want to keep going on about like how do we get back up like if we're, if we're stuck down like being placed and labeled in certain ways but for me I really enjoy this conversation I mean obviously it's hard to speak about these things like traumatic experiences that we've both gone through because to have your conscious raised to a certain level you need you need to have gone through something um and um but for me it was really as I said I'm still learning to articulate things understand you know who I am within this world um and it's really beautiful and liberating to to take that journey so yeah I've really enjoyed today's conversation thank you Ashley for being so open and honest and uh yeah for just for us doing this I guess um taking the time to do this so yeah I'm really happy for today so I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have any comments or would like to share your experiences about being conscious and, ble- and black, um, then feel free to contact us. We'll have our email and um, our Instagram that you can DM, DM us at. So feel free to, to chat to us um, and give, give us your feedback. Cool. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Until next time. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and do not represent or are connected to any persons, institutions, organizations, or companies unless explicitly stated.